Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Well, I did it, my friends. I did it. I just got back from my MRI. And uh, it's interesting, actually, because I do not like tight places. Like, elevators and stuff is fine. But there's a, a book, uh, a story by Richard Matheson. And uh, he, he's one of my favorite writers. A lot of the Twilight Zone stuff Richard Matheson had written. And I actually think there's a video, if not, I mean, a Twilight Zone episode on this. Uh, but there's also an episode where these guys, like, a guy was buried in a coffin in uh he was I, in italy or something like that was, i can't remember the name of the movie but i've seen it it was it kind of freaked me out and i saw that a while back and ever since i've seen it, i've been freaked out by being in, in enclosed spaces like in a coffin and uh literally that's what an mri is you're like literally sitting there and you can see it just right above you and it's freaky man and uh that's for about the first 15 30 seconds like i don't like i almost like pulled the things i can't do this but then I just, I, you know, as a I, I, as a Christian, I just turn over to God and said, God, it's going to be better if I do this, so just give me the strength. And, uh, you know, God gives you the strength. But then it's about five, so I'm sitting there just fine. And then all of a sudden I started getting this creeping pain where my shoulder is, my rotator cuff. And it was, uh, it was, man, it was, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm telling you, it, it was like, man, I don't know how... I mean, Jesus obviously did that on the cross. The pain of days sitting there on the cross. I, I just don't know how you do that. I don't know how you say, hey, let me down. I mean, my goodness, because I was I would have done anything, anything to get that pain removed. It was just this pain. It wasn't, it was like a a sharp pain that was, was just like, it was just like throbbing. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it won't go away, but it's actually gradually getting worse and worse and worse. And then the guy uh, said on the microphone or the earphones, he goes, hey, uh, one of those pictures didn't come out so well, so we got to take it again. I was like, man, and he goes, make sure you sit still. And I said, man, I've been sitting, I, I thought, it's like, I've been sitting as still as a freaking as I possibly could, you know what I mean? Because I'm literally in this tight zone. I want to be done as quickly as possible. And I know you guys sit still. But I was sitting there, I was like, oh, I'd do anything. Like, you read about these, like, the communists torturing people to, uh, you know, to dark on their friends who they, who the communists want to, you know, say as a communist spy or a spy for the capitalists or something like that. And you know, just take the pain, take the pain. How can you give up your friends or something like that, your family? But man, when you're under that much stress and pain, you'll do anything. I mean, you'll literally do anything uh, to to give to give up. I mean, it's nuts. What you, I mean, I'm just sitting there, and, but I I did it. I I hung in there. I hung in there for 30 minutes with you know, like in the first minute was scary then after that about four minutes of peace and about 20 25 minutes of just a growing and growing pain where because you can't when you have your rotator cuff how you're sitting i don't know what goes on but it's how you're sitting that it creates the pain uh, how your your arm is i'm saying in fact uh, one of these guys uh, athlena x or whatever his name is he talked about putting your arm like this as opposed to like this normally we put our arms like that and that's what is one of the reasons why your rotator cuff is so messed up because you it's, it just you tore it when you're pushing your bench press, and so now if you hold it like this, it's not nearly as uh, as painful. And but I couldn't do that. I mean, I could. You can't move, and so you're sitting there, and oh man, it's nuts. Anyway, so but anyway, 
we got done and uh, the guy showed me the results and he's not the doc so he couldn't tell me anything specific. He goes, but see that white right there where your rotator cuff is? I said, yep. He goes, that's not supposed to be there. And I was like, oh boy. Um, and so that's not good. And he said, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look good. It's supposed to be like this one. He showed the, I guess the bottom side of the rotator cuff, which is all black. So I don't know if that's a tear. It sounds like it's a big tear. Uh, but he said, look, I got to let your doctor do it. So that's my experience with an MRI. The funny thing is, too, is, man, the machine is loud. I mean, it's loud. I mean, you're just sitting there thinking, like, could it be any more traumatic? <laughs> beep! 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 You know, I was like, oh, my goodness. And it's like an emergency sound. You're like, what is going on? I, I mean, I, could they make that any worse? But the interesting thing is, this comes with the whole thing with renewables, by the way. I was just reading an article last night. I came across it about helium. Helium is not a renewable, right? So uh, helium is not a renewable gas. There's only so much, apparently. And it looks like the cost of helium is skyrocketing because our quantities are low. I, I guess we uh, U.S. Uh, mines or manufacturers, 25% of the world's helium or something like that. You know, don't quote me on this. But because helium is not a renewable, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's literally, it's a limited uh, gas. There's only so much. And helium is used in MRI machines. So just FII. So no wonder why the cost of MRIs is so high. Because uh, the helium that is used in it is a big portion of MRI. Magnetic resonance imaging or whatever it's called. And, uh, and I just read that. I just happened to see somebody. We're running out of helium. This guy was saying we call it peak helium. And I, I, look, I didn't dive too much deeper into that. But I found it interesting that we have peak helium. I mean, that's what they said about oil, too. I mean, who knows? They'll discover more. I have no clue. But all I know is right now, helium is trading at serious premiums relative to what it was before. So all these chemistry departments and stuff like that, they've had to shut down some of their experiments because of helium requirements. They just don't have the... Uh, uh, they don't have the helium. They don't have the, the money to pay for all the helium that uh, they're using. So they've had to shut down a lot of their machines, a lot of their research because the helium is so expensive. And then the MRI uses a lot of helium, and thus that's one of the reasons why the MRI is expensive. And uh, I just thought that was interesting, actually, especially I read that with not anything relative to MRI, uh, simply because I, I've, I always find the renewable uh, things of that nature of interest to me. And then, uh, but I happened to read it last night when I was dealing to go get my MRI myself. So, anyway, I did it! Yay for me! I uh, I I beat back one of my scariest things, which is being confined in a box. I almost almost pressed the emergency button, but I said, just hang in there, hang in there. And I did. I asked for you know God to give me the patience to deal with it. He provided to me. Uh, I had a, a huge pain, and it was I mean literally I had like tears, but I wasn't crying. But I, had, I was like tearing up because it hurt so much. And I just said, man, Jesus, you did this for days where he's sitting like that on a crucifix with, oh man, you got to read the books, the crucifixion, um, about how the Romans used to do it to maximize the pain because it's so painful. They know they could get whatever they want out of you uh, by the threat of the crucifixion because how painful it was. And yet Jesus went into that voluntarily knowing full well he didn't have to do that. And yet he took the pain. Uh, lastly, there's a, uh, if you ever watched the movie Platoon, uh, you know, the heavyset kid uh, gets killed because one of the guys fell asleep on wa on, uh, on, sh on uh, watch and, uh, and he got shot by, they got attacked by VC because one of the guys fell asleep. But anyway, uh, he's sitting there screaming. The, I remember the Sarge, uh, Tom uh, Barringer or something like that. He said, take the pain, take the pain. I always try to say, man, anytime I get hurt, I always say, take the pain. 
A lot easier said than done, my friends. I man, I don't know how my wife had four C-sections. I, I mean, I, I can't do it. The pain for me, woo-wee, I'm a big old baby when it comes to that. So if you ever want, uh, you ever know a, a weak spot of me is, I do not like pain. I mean, I do not take it easy. But again, knowing what Jesus went through, and then finally I was telling myself, knowing that hopefully at the end of this, they'll be able to fix it because the pain is getting worse and worse and, uh, and make it better. Uh, it will be a, a big win for me. Lastly, let me just say real quick too, when it comes to opioids and stuff, this whole thing is silly about, you know, do you, people don't want to become addicted to this, generally speaking. I mean, are there some people? Sure. Uh, but I mean, because the pain that they're suffering through is so immense, that's why they become addicted to this because they'll do anything to escape the pain. It's so easy to say, man, just deal with it. It's so easy to say, just take it, take it. I mean, if it's a perpetual pain that's never going away other than this one drug, you know, have some sympathy, man. Have some sympathy for these people who are dealing with the pain. They're not freaking crackheads. They're not like what you think dope fiends. They just have a pain and they can't take it. So they'll do whatever they can to avoid it. But just have some, I just, man, decency says, look, I don't want to call you a dope fiend and just regulate you to the freaking living under a bridge, you know, selling your soul uh, for a fix. That's that's horrible. I, I just find it, I don't know, maybe the older I get, the more, uh, I guess, compassion I have, empathy. I don't know if it's uh, sympathy or empathy, but compassion to deal with people who are just like me, just regular people, good people, dealing with painful scenarios in their lives, whatever it may be, and there's only one escape, which is drugs. And I mean, ideally, they don't get hooked on them at all. But I mean, just if you're living a life in pain, and then you're introduced to something that can help you escape it, and then you get hooked on it to where you basically give up everything that you know and love and that is dear to you as a way to escape the pain. I mean, I'm telling you, man, I just, after what I just went through, just this pain. My wife was just telling me I could go back and take four Tylenol. I can't take a, uh, can't take ibuprofen uh, because I got I'm getting a, uh, work I'm getting a, a nose so not nose like remaking the nose but opening up the I got some some tapacity or some centipacy or some of like that I'm getting something done there in my nose because uh, it'll open my breathing passages um, and so I have to I can't take blood thinning stuff so I got to take Tylenol. She just said I, I mean just think. They gave me an opioid to, to alleviate that pain. Hell, I'd be taking that, you know, like quicker than you can imagine because the pain is great. Now, right now, I'm feeling okay, right? But if you're sitting there with a constant pain that you can't escape, how can you blame people for looking for an escape mechanism, whatever it is? And if that escape mechanism happens to be opioids and heroin, I, look, I'm not making excuses. I just, I get it. I, I find it, I find it sad. So a little bit of compassion, maybe a little bit of praying to the cross, which you can't, I guess you can't see that, to say, hey, I pray for those who are dealing with that, and I pray that I never fall in that uh, scenario because who am I to pass judgment on people's pain? And who are you to pass judgment? Because until you've gone through someone in someone else's shoes or just deal with the pain I just dealt with, um, I mean, if I had to deal with that all the time, I'd do I mean, if I had to do that, 24 hours a day and deal with that pain, I would take anything to avoid it, without question. I was able to for 30 minutes because I knew the end game. 
uh, right? And that's another thing, real quick. Well, I'll never forget when I was in uh, when I was in Ranger School. I'll never forget I met this guy uh, who's special forces, and he was going to Ranger School. And uh, and I asked him. I said, well, you know, we're just talking about Ranger School versus special forces. For me, the the physical element of Ranger School wasn't that hard. It was hard, but it wasn't. I mean, I was able to pass that flying colors. It was the tactical stuff. I, I frankly didn't know, and I didn't care to know that much, which is what made me wash out. But what's the physical stuff? But it's interesting thing when I was talking to him about special forces, um, you know, the difference between the schools. He said the nice thing with uh, with uh, the the drawback about special forces school is that he, he told me about they give you these five gallon water jugs, and you just got to carry them, and you, there's no end game. You just carry them until they say stop. You don't know when you're going to stop. And I said, man, for me, I couldn't deal with that because I need an end game. If I'm an end game, I'm going to be fine. So in ranger school, I knew, I, I knew the end game. It's just, you got to do this, you're done. And as long as I knew the end game, I could do it. Not knowing the end game, there's no way I could survive that without question. And he said, sometimes the end game of carrying those five gallon uh, water jugs, and I think he was saying uh, through the jungle or whatever, it might be literally like 200 feet. Uh, you know, sometimes it might be five clicks. You have no clue how, uh, kilometers. You have no clue, or 200 meters, I guess, what we say in the military. You have no clue how many uh, meters you have to carry. Uh, so it might be you, you just got lucky. But other times you, you're just carrying, like, when am I going to stop? When am I going to stop? And the whole point is to challenge you to be able to keep going and keep going and keep going until uh, until they say stop because you don't know when the end game is. And for me, I, I couldn't do that. So, like, like I said, if Rangers go the physical part, I had no problem with it was, uh, it was uh, in terms of being able to, I knew if I only could do this for, was it 65 days back then? Uh, and then I got recycled. So I knew if I could do, you know, uh, a 21-day in the mountain phase, 21-day in the bending phase, as long as I could survive 21 days, I'd be fine. Now, again, it was a tactics that I could not do. I, I mean, I know any tactics. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was doing there to begin with. Somehow I passed a pre-ranger uh, to uh, give me a, a said my tactics were good. So I go to ranger school. They're like, yeah, you should be tactically proficient. I was like, I don't even know how I got down here, to be honest with you, but I'm here. So somehow I was able to pass my patrols. And I get to ranger school. And they say, hey, you know, leave this patrol in the middle of the mountains at 3 in the morning after I've uh, been out in the woods for, I can't remember, two, three weeks on one meal. I can't remember. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell I'm doing? I'm supposed to lead captains of the special forces? And then again, this guy was a captain of the special forces unit. And he was a nice guy, Captain Johnson. I'll never forget that guy. Nicest guy ever. But I was like, man, I can't lead. I mean, freaking, I'm a, I think I was, a, was I, uh, the PFC, Private E3, uh, Private First Class. I don't think, maybe it was a specialist. I don't think I was an E4. I think I was a PFC. I like, how can I lead a freaking captain of the SF and I don't know what I'm doing? Anyway, the, the more of the story was that was what got me, and I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable admitting that that I just didn't know what I was doing. And anyway, so long story short, so I fell on my patrol. So I said, "You gotta go. You gotta you gotta go." And I said, "I, I, I said that's fine." Um, but the whole thing with special forces is the idea of you just have to walk and walk and walk with these five gallon jugs until you're told to stop. I said, "Man, oof." See, that is my biggest fear of just being, we're going to go until we hear the no. And so for me, sitting in this MRI thing, which is scary, I didn't like it, but knowing there's a time constraint on it, um, that was able for me to alleviate the concern of you know being in that cramped space. That was able to help me alleviate the pain I was dealing because the pain was great, man. No other way around it. It was, it was painful. But I was able to alleviate that simply because I knew I had a time, there's a time limit. If you don't know that about your own circumstance, because whatever, you just don't know if you if tomorrow you wake up, the pain's still there, and at some point, you just say, I, I can't take anymore. I, man, I just, 
I got nothing but sympathy for you. And I, got, I don't know, is sympathy the right word or empathy? I don't know. But I got nothing but compassion. And I just pray for you, man, because that's, uh, that's a place I know I don't want to be. And if you're there, I just, I, you got to seek help. I don't know what you do. I don't know. Uh, but don't. Don't seek help by the barrel of a gun, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, there are people, there are stuff that can help you, uh, that's for sure. You know, Suicide Prevention Agency, um, AA is a wonderful place for sure. Um, but don't uh, don't escape the pain. And it's easy for me to say because I don't have that to deal with every day. I just, I beg of you not to escape the pain without giving um, other alternatives a, uh, a solution, or at least a try. Uh, because once you go down that road where you escape the pain that's forever overbearing to you, you can never come back. It's over. And uh, look, again, I'm not here to judge, man. I am the furthest thing from judging somebody. I just, uh, the, the sad thing is I just wonder uh, if there are alternatives for you as opposed to the ultimate alternatives, alternative, the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, I just pray for it, man. I just pray that, you know, God gives you the strength to persevere. And, he, and God puts something or something in your past to help you stand strong. Because uh, I got nothing, nothing but my deepest feelings for you and what you're going through. All right, I'm rambling now. I didn't mean it to be, but God bless, man. I, I don't know how you deal with that. I don't. I will right, we'll see you.